0: Hey guys, Mike here. Hey, on this episode, Tyler from Skyhound Deer Recovery calls in. They use drones to find your deer. It's super cool stuff. Uh, a lot of cool information in this one. Um as always, be sure to check out our sponsors. Uh Swamp Stick, go check them out. Code MAMP10 at Checkout will get you 10% off. Be sure to check out Triptych Multi-tool. Um, both great companies both great products check them out you guys will love this podcast really cool one tyler's located in leesburg virginia they cover maryland southern pennsylvania virginia and west virginia Uh, be sure to go check them out man check them out on instagram Um, they do some really cool work hope you guys enjoy this one everybody mike here with tyler from skyhound deer recovery tyler can you introduce yourself Tell everybody where you're from and what you do
1: yeah hey everybody uh first and foremost mike thanks again for uh setting this up and having me on the podcast i appreciate you uh helping get skyhound's name out there um so skyhound is a, a drone service provider uh we specialize in drone deer recovery in the maryland virginia west virginia and portions of southern PA. Um, so, you know, you know how it goes. Everybody's been hunting long enough. Who's listening to this show? Sometimes you don't put the best shot. You can't find the deer. Weather moves in. The terrain gets rough, too dark, thick cover, whatever the case may be. Um, our specialty is utilizing cutting edge drone technology with thermal payloads. Uh, we get the call to come out. Uh, we pick up last blood or wherever your shot was placed, and then we will, uh, pop the drones up and help you guys recover your deer. Or our mission is to kind of basically hope hopefully lower the percentage of deer lost every season, put more, more uh, meat on the table, if you will.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Um, Before we dive into the drone stuff, I want to take a step back and ask you like where, uh, your hunting history, your outdoor history, like where'd you get this drive?
1: Yeah. So gosh, I've been, you know, I've been hunting my, almost my whole life. Um, You know, started as a young kid here in Northern Virginia. Um, through an uncle and the property and, and just kind of caught the bug early. Uh, so I've been hunting, fishing and outdoor obsessed pretty much my whole life. Um, and have always kind of wanted to try to get into the hunting industry in some form or another and, you know, turn my passion into, to a job, uh, or into my, my business or, you know, my career, if you will. Um, and so. You know, I've I've been in the drone industry now for five or six years in different vehicles, um, and kind of saw things popping off on the drone space for search and recovery on the deer side of things or in the, in the hunting industry, um, and have been doing this for friends and family for you know a couple of years, but I never really taken it seriously, um, until I really started started to see it explode uh, last season, um, and I decided that you know now is the time to, to kind of go all in and, and get this going. Um, and so last year was kind of our, our first soft launch, if you will, doing it as a business, helping friends and family in the local areas. Uh, and then this year we've expanded to Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. Uh, and we're, you know, taking it serious putting marketing behind it, getting the word out there. Um, we're going to be looking for operators here to, to expand into other states coming 2024. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the long and short of it
0: um so you you kind of touched on it there but you, you touched on the when i have we've written down right here in front of me when and why did you start using drones well why did you like what not even for hunting like before that like what drew you into drones
1: you know gosh even as a kid uh rc airplanes and anything that could fly and that i could control i loved. um you know i was begging my parents every month to to grab another crappy toy store drone that I had crashed the weekend previous or something along those lines. So like the industry of drones, the industry of flying has always interested me. Um, And then my career took me to a place where you know I was working with drones through different companies uh, as my profession. So I kind of got the experience on that. And then obviously just being aware of the hunting industry and the impact that drones could have in helping hunters locate more games brought me to, to
0: skyhound that's really cool Um uh, so during the process leading up to deer recovery it was it was almost like things fell into place and then it you realized uh the connection you could make with the outdoor industry that you loved that's it. yeah
1: yeah yep. yeah it was kind of you know it was it was always a thought of like how can i turn this into the hunting industry what can i do to get into the outdoor space. What can I do to make my career something that I'm passionate, something that can help people in this industry. And, um, you know, with all the attention that we saw on social media through some of these other guys that are doing it, uh, it kind of just the light bulb went off and I was like, man, now is the time to strike. And, uh, that's what, that's what got us off the ground.
0: When did deer recovery in general, not just drones, it, when did it become popular? Because I feel like as someone who's hunted, for 21, 22 years on my own. Like, I'd, it, it feels very new
1: to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's brand new, right? I, I think, well, so I, I'm, I'm sure most people listening are familiar with the guys out in Ohio, the Drone Deer Recovery guys, Mike and his operation. Um, they were kind of the first ones that drew, I think, a ton of attention to it from the social media side of things. Um, with their YouTube page and Instagram and, and really kind of bringing it out to the general hunting public. Um, I know of a few other people just through friends in the industry that had kind of been doing this loosely. But in all honesty, I think last year was the first where it was really brought to the attention of the, of the general public. Um, and I think a, a lot of that is due to the fact that drones in the hunting world was kind of taboo. Like, Anybody that heard drone and hunting automatically associated that with, oh, man, these guys are out there herding deer and and pointing hunters towards shooting all of the deer in the woods, right? And in reality, it couldn't be further from the fact than what we're doing, right? If my services are being called out to a hunter, the hunt is over. Um, We have that plain and clear in our terms of services. They're, They're now in the recovery stage of the process, and we're helping them locate Um, hopefully a a harvested animal. Um, so I think we're just starting to see us now break in and separate drones and hunting in that kind of taboo type, uh, I don't know, wording that it had associated with it. And now we're starting to see it as drone deer recovery and this amazing technology that can help hunters locate more harvested game. So we're kind of moving away from the negative and moving this more into a positive light. And so. Yeah, I mean, you're right. In the 20 years that you've been hunting, the same for me, I, I never really associated drones and deer recovery or anything in the outdoor industry at all uh, until the past couple of years.
0: I, I think that's just a like like a curmudgeon. That's just a way that older people look. You know, it's it doesn't matter what you do in the outdoor industry. That it's always somebody complaining. Uh, oh yeah. See, so, you know, cellular trail cams have gotten huge, but six, seven, eight years ago, it was can you believe they're going to use a, ca- a camera that'll send it to your phone? You know, I yep. think, I think everything comes and goes, and not comes and goes, but everything comes into a phase. And if it's not worth it, it it goes. And if it is, it sticks around and uh, finding deer that you accidentally got it, n- Nobody can act like they don't, they've never done it. You know, you've accidentally made a rough shot on a deer, or maybe you made a pretty good shot on a deer and you're not getting the blood that you, you think you would. Instead of that deer rotting, in somebody's creek bottom now you can find it a lot easier that's the
1: that's the biggest thing that i that i'm trying to kind of get across and we've done a lot of marketing shows and talked to a lot of different people and it's one of those things where i I think the most common thing that i hear at these outdoor shows by people that stop by and are completely unfamiliar with the technology is like man you know I, i i would definitely call you out if it was the trophy of a lifetime and you know, it's more along the lines of like, at the end of the day, this is meat on the table. And, and that's what we all care about as, as hunters and as ethical hunters. It's like trying to, to locate a deer, no matter the size of the buck, no matter if it's a buck or doe. Um, and it's, if you're in doubt, right, it's kind of my cheesy tagline. If you're in doubt, call us out, right? If you don't see that deer go down from your tree stand, give us a call. Um, it's the worst feeling in the world when you Think you've made a good shot, you get down from your tree stand and you go over the first ridge that you saw the deer clear, and it pops up 20 yards down. Or, you know, you go down into the creek bottom that you're sure that buck is down in and he pops up and runs off. Um, and that's something that I think until you see with the drone, is it's just unbelievable. Um, you know, we've been able to help hunters, you know. We're called out. We'll pop the drone up wherever the shot was. They backed out of the woods. And we'll be able to fly and locate that animal sitting in a creek bottom. Um, and we're able to tell via the, the payload, the thermal, okay, here it is. We'll switch over to IR. We'll turn on the spotlight. And that gives us a clear picture of that animal. Uh, and we can tell you, is that a high scapula door shot? And that deer is not going to expire. You may as well give this property a week and clear your headspace, go practice. And get back out in the woods in a week and, and hunt that deer again the rest of the season. Or we're able to tell you, you know, hey, that's looking like it's a liver pawn shot. Like that deer is going to die, but you need to give it at least 12 hours before you do anything. Um, and so, again, I say this a lot, but a drone is just another data point. It's another tool for a hunter to use to make the best possible decision to hopefully recover that animal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it's like a, um, I like, I see some of these videos online of these nighttime thermal images of a deer that's down. And it's like, why wouldn't you utilize this? You know, I've been, hunt, I've been, we've been managing a, a lease for years and I can go to the same Creek bed. It sounds like a war zone when the neighbors are in there in rifle season and I can go to a creek bed every year in in turkey season and find two to three deer. I yep. promise you, I can, because they never they gut shoot deer on the run, and then they never find them. They, I don't I don't even think they try to find them. If I'm being honest, yep. but they never like find them, and it, it it irritates me because then I see these deer. Not only do I see two and three year old bucks that we've been letting go dead in a creek bottom, but also. Man, if you'd have just got the deer, I wouldn't be as angry about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, and it's something too. I think that the industry has again to use that term taboo, but like nobody talks about the number of deer that are wounded every season. Like, there's a couple of studies when I was kind of getting things started off the ground and doing more research into this. And I found a couple of things online that were done by different universities across the country. But like one of the things that I read through in one of those studies was that like, it it was something, and don't quote me on this, but it was a staggering percentage. It was something like 50% of deer that are shot are never recovered. Um, And that to me, like that blew my mind with how many deer are shot and just never recovered in hunting season. And that's a perfect point. Like I want to help lower that number. I want to gather the data to help have you know, a positive impact on the hunting industry and put more meat on the table, but like be able to show a hard number of like utilizing a drone in the recovery stage was able to decrease the percentage of deer loss by X. Like that's what I really want to kind of prove with this technology and show people how useful it is. Um, and, And that's it, right? It's just like, man. And another thing that I think is kind of controversial is like the mantra behind, like if you're not sure of the shot, you know, wait 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 and it i understand where that comes from but we've all been there in early season when you put a shot on a doe or a buck or whatever it is and it's you know 80 degrees it's going to drop to a 70 degree low overnight that deer's not going to make it through the night and that just kills me like i i want to get down up from the ground i want to start searching immediately because i know that that meat is not going to last until morning um, and so, you know, that's just what I'm getting to. Is just another point of why utilizing a drone, if you're unsure of the shot, is so critical. Um, because that's a whole nother work feeling. If you put a shot on a deer, maybe the blood trail isn't great, um, but it was a double lung hit, and it just clotted up quicker. Because I've I've hit deer double lunged, and I found sparse blood, but I had enough daylight to find them. Um, and if that happens in early season and you lose blood thinking that, well, maybe the shot wasn't good. I'm going to back out. You go back in the morning. Well, that deer's meat is done. Like you're not, you're not putting that on the table for your family. And that deer also died 12 hours ago. So you shouldn't have just kept pushing ahead. Um, and that's where I think like utilizing a drone and calling us out, like those are the instances I think that people are really going to like this where you're, was it a double lung hit or was it a, a gut shot? Right. And with the drone, we're going to take all of the kind of guesswork out of that and recover your deer and save that meat.
0: Yeah, uh, the, the recovery services, I mean, especially the drone, because it is so non-invasive. Um, I This is a great way for and I'm just going to say it, uh, it. It's a great way for all hunters to find deer they've made a bad shot on. It's a really great way for all the lazy hunters out there to find deer. <laughs> it, how how many years? Like when I was a kid, my dad instilled it in me: if you squeeze the trigger, if you pull that release, that you are now dedicated to that animal. And absolutely, you know, that that's how I've always been. And Dad and I have pulled off some tracking jobs where it was like hands and knees looking for pin drops and found deer oh, yeah. at midnight. And oh yeah. I know guys, I personally went to school with kids. It would drive me crazy. When we were young, we hunted all the time. And the these kids would, they'd shoot something with a bow. It for some reason a blood clot would push against that rib cage. They'd get 40, 50 yards in, not find anything. And, and a half hour later, they're back home. And it's it, yeah. it, it was consistent, you know? And I, I so I think your services could really at least give people who don't want to give a crap, it at least gives them an out a a way to easily get someone else to find their deer for them.
1: Right. And, and look, like I I think too, like I I don't want it to come off that like, Oh, you know, don't even, don't even worry about tracking the deer. Don't even learn how to look for blood on the floor. You know, like those are things that need to be still instilled into the new generation of hunters. Like I, I, Frankly, as a kid, that was my favorite part of the hunt. Like putting a shot on a deer, getting down and and doing everything right and finding the, the spots of blood and being able to read the sign and, and being able to tell is that lung blood, is that arterial blood, is that you know, is that gut shot? Just being able to kind of gather that data as a kid, it was just such a special feeling. So I still feel extremely, extremely strongly that all new hunters need to learn the basics of blood trailing a deer. Um, That should not be replaced with a drone. It's just, that's not how I think it should be done. But you are right. There are going to be people out there. And look, I, I think another important point on this is not just, you know, if you're lazy, call us out. But also, there are hunters out there that, you know, trailing a deer, they might not be physically able. Whether it's an industry, a disability, whatever it might be, um, you might simply not be able to track a deer through a heavy cutover or through steep terrain. Um, there might be limiting factors to that and your ability to do that. So, yeah, I mean, this is, again, this is just another tool for a hunter to utilize to do everything in their power to find the animal once you pull the trigger. Because I could not agree with you more. I was the same way. It was, you know, hammered into me as a kid. If you squeeze the trigger... I don't care how long we're out here. We're going to search until we find it or there is just no ground untouched that we haven't searched. And so, you know, we're, we're one more option for that. Once you've kind of hit the point of, oh, we've done everything we can, we can't find it, it's time to call in the drone.
0: So how does it work? Say you're the hunter who makes, uh, say, a gut shot, and you pretty much know it, and you're like, man, I, I didn't I don't. Maybe it was liver, but I think it was gut, you know. When, how does this work? Like, who are, are they calling you right away? I mean, what are they doing?
1: Yeah, so, um, there's a couple different ways, obviously, for them to get in touch with us. We have our Instagram page, uh, Skyhound Deer Recovery. They can shoot us a DM. Um, our uh, telephone number and email address are on our website. Um, so any of those three call, email, or shoot us a DM on Instagram. We're checking constantly throughout the season. Um, but it's as simple as that, right? Give us a call um we have a pretty good time frame depending on weather conditions um for how long that thermal signature will last uh, obviously you know if it's a warm day we want to try to get out there quick to make sure that, that meat doesn't spoil um but it's as simple as just giving us a call uh giving us a little bit of information about the circumstances what's going on uh and then we're on our way out to you guys
0: so during the um during the process if somebody calls you and you come out what what are the steps like all the way through? What's like the first thing you guys would do?
1: Um. So yeah, if you put a shoot, I, I'm sorry. If you are you saying what are the steps for if someone puts a shot on a deer and they're unsure how do they how do they get us out there?
0: No, no. Get, obviously, give you a call. You know, get contact you. What are your steps now? Like what happens from A to Z with you and Skyhound?
1: I got you. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get to your, your area, uh, wherever it was as quickly as, as possible. Um, upon arriving, we will go to either where you last found blood, um, or typically what we're doing is we'll have the hunter show us on a map, you know, where was last blood, where was the shot. Um, then we will fly the drone to last blood or where the shot was taken. Um, and we will start to do a grid search of that area. Um, so we'll do that grid search via thermal. And so basically what we're doing there is we're looking for any sort of heat signature. So upon finding a heat signature or heat source, we'll switch over to our IR uh, camera and our spotlight. And what the IR does, and we have some great videos kind of showing this on our Instagram page. The IR gives you that kind of black and white, crisp, clear image with the spotlight on there. um, And that's what's able to allow us to identify is that, in fact, the deer that you shot. Because uh, with thermal, and the thermal that we're using is incredible. It's like 640 by 512. You can get a pretty pretty clear, crisp image of a deer, but you're not going to be able to get the details of where was the shot placement. Is that deer just bedded or is it dead? That's where the IR and whatnot come into it. Um, so that's it's pretty much that simple. Uh, we go to the last point of blood or shot. We do grid searches looking for thermal signatures. We switch over to IR when we find them, and we, we go until we find the deer.
0: I got you, but so with the hunt is the hunter with you, or you kind of like separate so you can do your own thing and then tell them. No, so
1: typically the hunter will be with us. Um, we do have kind of a screen uh, display, like a big screen in in our in our uh, our vehicle that we arrive with, so it's able to give the hunter kind of that aerial perspective as well. Um, a lot of times, right, we'll be able to switch over to our map live, and they'll be able to give us a little bit more detail on features of the property or where they think the deer may have run. So we're able to have them because right they're the best people to have over your shoulder because it's their property. They know it better than we do. So if, if this deer, you know, we're on a thousand acre property and we're, we've searched 500 acres and we have no clue where it could be. It's great to have the hunter there to say, Hey, well we have a thicket over here where they bed, maybe went there and we'll go there. Right. Cause we're at that point, we're grid searching.
0: When that hunter's there, are, do you ever run into issues with the hunters being right there over your shoulder? And imagine there's some.
1: Um, I mean, yeah, not not necessarily issues. People definitely get excited if they've never seen anything like this, which we're used to at this point. So I, you know, I have no problem with that. Um, you know, and it's it's cool to be able to allow them to see the the powers of the of the thermal, right? If we're searching, and like for instance, I think a cool one that we saw was. We were in a thicket, it was a big cutover, and we were able to pick out uh, cottontails that were in this crazy thick grass. And it was just blowing these guys' minds of how you're able to pick out a cottontail rabbit in a thicket from 400 feet up and 600 yards away. Uh, And then we were using the zoom to zoom in. This was during like a a later evening, so we still had the, the sunlight to give us that crisp, clear RGB camera view of the cottontail. Um, But no, I mean, we don't really run into many issues with them, you know, over our shoulders or viewing it as we're doing the search.
0: What are some tips you can give hunters who need a tracker when they need to call? What are some tips? Like, obviously, guys will step on their, you know, they'll step on their own toes tracking a deer and then be like, whoops. Like, what are some ways that hunters can help you guys out? Yeah,
1: I mean... so no, it, it depends. It's two things. If having a trying, and I know this is easier said than done, but trying to have the best image of the shot placement in your head. Because you know, we've seen enough where I can tell you, you know, if that was high shoulder shot, we're most likely not gonna find that deer. Um as opposed to if it was a little bit further back, there, there's a good chance that, that deer is going to die and we're gonna be able to locate it. So Trying to stay calm during the shot and really, really focus in to give us that information of where was the shot placement? What was the deer doing before you shot? Was its front leg forward? Was it front leg back? Like as much detail about the shot as possible. Um, And then next, you know, basically putting a pin in the map of where you had last blood, because that's most likely where we're going to fly next. So. Um, if we're not going to the point of the shot, if we're going to the point of the next blood, using an OnX map or using a Google map to leave your pin at the exact location of where last blood was, because that's going to give us a huge advantage of being able to fly the last blood as opposed to flying uh, where your shot was, because the deer could have gone anywhere from there. At least if we are flying from point of last blood, we know the general trajectory or or where that deer was kind of headed upon last flood or something along those lines. And so that's going to narrow our search a little bit more. Um, and, and those are probably really two of the biggest. And then also, again, when in doubt back out, um, like, you know, not getting in there and, and pushing that deer and then calling us because the chances of finding that deer, if it's already been pushed are just so, so, so much lower. So, you know, if you're tracking and you lose blood or something along those lines, just get out of there. Don't risk pushing it. Or, you know, if if your shot is a little bit further back and you see the deer clear a ridge or something, just pull out. Don't go in. Call us immediately and we'll get out there as quickly as possible.
0: Man, how many times in your hunting career have you walked over a ridge or oh. like around the thicket and bumped a deer with his head up. I, I have done that so many times.
1: No, it's, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's just no worse feeling. Um, and it's, again, it's not talked about, but it happens to every single hunter and it happens multiple times. Um, it, it just, it's just, it's a nature of the beast, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, it is it's the absolute worst gut-wrenching feeling in the world.
0: Yeah, it's that kind of going back to well, I I no, I guess not. I was I was getting ready to say I was gonna go back to the fact that people don't like things until they do, until it becomes like a norm. I think the hunting industry and T V as a whole just never shows things like this. And so nobody talks about it.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's a hard thing to talk about, right? Like it's it just, it, yeah, it's just not easy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like certain shows are showing more of like, you know, the the, the famous YouTubers or whatnot, you know, not finding gear and, and making it more of like, hey, this happens to everyone. Um, as opposed to like some of the shows that you see on the Sportsman channel or others where it's just like still shot perfect 10 ring after perfect 10 ring. It's just like, that's not real life. That's not what happens. And also... It, as as horrible as it feels it's it's okay it happens I, I want to do everything in my power to learn from it and not allow it to happen again but it, it's just one of those things where there's just forces that be that it, it's just it's gonna happen
0: all right so I I really want to ask you this because this is my favorite thing I wrote down on the show sheet it's I got it's a two-parter. It's the worst versus best recoveries stories you've ever had. So, what, like, let's start out with what is the worst recovery story? And it doesn't, I don't mean like we didn't find blank deer. I mean, like, what, ha- anything could have happened, like
1: anything. It, yeah. I mean, the worst one that pops into my mind is just, it doesn't happen often. And in fact, it's really only happened to me once. Is when you get a neighbor that, or someone that, you know, sees the spotlight close to their property line or the drone is lower or something like that and is just losing their mind. I, so this one person was just elderly, was unsure of what it was. We think thought it was potentially like extraterrestrial type things, but came flying around the bend 90 miles an hour on their truck. Was scared to death, didn't know what the hell was going on, and was pretty, pretty pissed. And, you know, it, it was over within a blink of an eye once we explained what was going on, and the neighbor was right there. So they were immediately calmed down, and it ended up being fine, and, and they were happy with it. But that was not a fun situation because, you, you know, it's nighttime, you're on a property that you're unfamiliar with, you're with people that are, are customer science that you don't really know, right? This is the first time that I'm out there. So, <laughs> It's always in the back of your head. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what the hell is this going to turn into? And that was definitely one of those ones where I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, I'm going to have to leave the drone here, hop in the truck and just go if this guy pulls up with a shotgun. Because it definitely could have been one of the situations. Thank God it wasn't. But uh, that was not fun to deal with. Um, the, the back is, is uh, the, the first time hunters, right? Um, they're already unbelievably excited. Uh, to have pulled the trigger on their first year and this was a friend of mine uh, his kid had shot a deer uh, and, and brought me out they, they knew it was a good shot they knew the deer was down but the kid loves drones whenever they come over our house I'm always flying for them for him so to add the excitement of it being his first deer and them tracking it and then being able to, to see the drone and the thermals of the deer that they just tracked I mean that was one of the coolest things They they had already tracked the deer and found it um, so it wasn't necessarily one of those situations where the drone saved the day. Right. Again, going back to the point of like the next generation needs to learn how to track deer. Um, you know, my friend did the right thing. He, he showed his kid, showed the blood, tried to teach him everything he possibly could in that moment and then called us out kind of as like a fun secondary thing. And, and that was really, really special. Cause I feel like that kind of hooked him into drones and RCs. And I saw myself, uh, a little bit of myself in that one. So that was a really cool experience.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, I I could imagine being around new hunters more than most people. Uh, obviously, most people are around their new hunter friends or new hunter family. You get to be around that because you hunt, plus all the other people who may need help. And uh, I I'd oh, imagine yeah. if there was a kid who made a wonky shot and you found a deer for him, it was his first or even second or third deer. I, I'd imagine that's really cool.
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's what I'm so excited, I think, about this coming season. Just, you know, we did a handful of searches. We didn't do a ton last year just because we were very, very soft launch, very new to this. We were kind of just testing the waters a little bit. Um, And so that's what I think I'm most excited is just getting out there, showing off the technology and, and watching people's kind of minds be blown by the thermals, the drone itself. Like when you take this thing off and it's in the air, when you're seeing it for the first time, it's just. Mind-blowing! It's
0: unbelievable. Absolutely, I, I'd imagine you. You told the story about the you know somebody in their truck flying up on you because they don't know what that drone is. I'd right. imagine as if I was a, I am a landowner of small proportion. If, if I, if I was a big landowner and I you know saw this drone flying around, right on you know maybe on the edge of my property or near my property, I'm sure I wouldn't be <laughs> as happy about it either. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that I think we're all going to kind of have to deal with. Um, I think, again, with the with the surge of new drone deer recovery services throughout the country, um, I think it's going to be really interesting, you, you know, what we see with trespassing issues and others. The great thing about a drone is that once you're above that 100-foot threshold, um, there are really, there there are no trespassing laws, right? Because you're not, passing on someone's property if you're in the air, um, so it, it's it's a, a huge benefit because I think what I've seen kind of going around social media now and, and starting to cause issues is kind of the fight between uh, the dog services and the drone services, and you know which one is better, which one's going to be the future. And it's in my mind, there's plenty of room for both because there's use cases for both. There are certain circumstances where I can't fly. I think a huge, a huge one of those is in the early, early season when we still have this heavy, heavy canopy of green tree cover. It's a pain in the ass to search, uh, heavily dense, really, really thick, uh, forested properties. Um, you know, if we're getting calls early in the season, that's the first question. Do you think that this year is dead? Uh, in a in a cut down in a super super heavy heavy forested area um and look can we still find a deer in that at this time of year absolutely it's just going to take a long time and i i can't guarantee anything as opposed to do you think that that deer is down in a you know 100 acre crp or 200 acre cornfield the chances of using the thermal to find that are are way 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 higher So, you know, it's about setting expectations this time of year as opposed to getting a call in November once the leaves have dropped and, you know, we're able to search basically anywhere and everywhere. So, you know, this time of year, dogs absolutely play a role as well as um, on, I think, federal and like state lands where drones are not allowed to be flown. That's still huge. Um, But one of the drawbacks that you get with that is you run into the trespassing laws with dogs. Uh, so a, a dog can't cross a trespassing line without that landowner's permission. Whereas if I'm flying a drone at 400 feet, one nobody is really the wiser as that I'm up there searching that property. So you're not having to run into those issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get you there. I I'd imagine it's very difficult because every deer that gets shot, most of the time they want to go to the densest area. They, especially that means- a mature buck, his his bedroom, it doesn't matter what property, where in the United States, a five-year-old Buck's bedroom is absolutely the densest you know, place on that property like 95% of the time. Uh, so you're probably 100%. dealing with that a
1: lot. Absolutely. Um, and again, once once that tree cover starts to come, and even it's not even like we need to have bare trees. It's more like once there's more pockets in the canopy, then it, it makes the job a thousand times easier. It's really just like, These early seasons, like Maryland opened September 7th, uh, and, you know, I have to just be very, very aware of, hey, what is this this property completely wooded with heavy tree canopy? If it is, you know, we we can still come out. We'll still do the search. It's just, it's going to be difficult, and I need to set the expectation with the hunter that it's not going to be the video that you saw on YouTube where it was done in December with no tree canopy. Um, so, you know, it's just a lot of setting expectations, especially in the early season. Do,
0: do people use drones to find anything other than deer, like IE, uh, uh, black bear hunters or anything like that? You
1: know, I don't know of that just yet. Um, I think with this being so new, uh, I, I don't have really any data points on that. I, I know some of the guys that are doing this down in Southwest Virginia, um, I've seen it on a couple of the websites that they'll do it for bear recovery. I don't see any reason why it couldn't be utilized. I mean, they're putting off the same heat signature as, as a deer, if not bigger. Um, so, you know, if you're hunting bear fall or whatever in winter time, um, and you can't find it. Yeah. That's definitely a use case.
0: All right, man. Well, look, I appreciate everything you do. I'm sure everybody else appreciates everything you guys do. Cause it's such a, uh, it's such a wonderful service it is a great time to be a hunter. There's never been technology like this. Um, I can only imagine how many deer over the years have ended up rotting away because there just was no way to contact someone to find a deer. So what you guys are doing is a, is a really big deal. Um, where can everybody find you uh, so that they can get a hold of you if they make a questionable shot?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, our our Instagram page is Skyhound Deer Recovery. Um, you know, if you're following us on there, you can DM us if you ever ever need us to come out. Uh or check out our website, sky hyphenhound.com and just go to the Deer Recovery page. Um that has all of our terms and services. Uh it has our, our email address and direct uh uh phone line. So shoot us an email or give us a call. Um, and we will be out to your property if you're in the states of Maryland, Virginia, or West Virginia. Uh, we're there to help, uh, as well as parts of, uh, you know, Southern Pennsylvania. It just kind of is a case-by-case case on how far away that is from our home base. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to this coming season. I know Maryland's open, so anybody in Maryland that's listening, give us a call if you ever need it.
0: All right, Tyler. Well, great talking to you, and uh, I'll talk at you later.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yep. But
1: all right, bye right. bye.